morning, everyone. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We continue. We left off the sixth chapter. We're making progress. The sixth chapter in Psachim. 65b. These things in Pesach push off Shabbos. The carbon Pesach push off Shabbos. If Ed of Pesach falls out on Shabbos, so you have to slaughter, you're not allowed to slaughter on Shabbos. But the carbon Pesach, you have to slaughter Zerika's dumb and to sprinkle the blood. Your mother's going to ask, what's wrong with sprinkling the blood? What's the violation? What violation exactly are you doing by sprinkling the blood on the altar that you're saying it pushes off Shabbos? And cleaning out the intestines. Because you're gonna, you're gonna, you have to, uh, you have to barbecue it now. If you're gonna leave all the all the schmutz, if you're gonna leave all the schmutz. Uh, the six, the sixth chapter. You have, you have it down. Sixth chapter, sixty-five B. If you're gonna leave all the schmutz, it's gonna cause uh, the meat to, to spoil. So you're allowed to clean out all the all the all the schmutz and the intestines. Vaktaris chalavav and the offer and the burning on the altar of the portions of the animal you have to burn the fat and the different portions of the kidneys but the barbecuing vadochas karavav and the rinsing of the intestines not the taking out of the intestines but rinsing it there shouldn't be even a trace of any of any any schmutz left. Uh, that you're not allowed to do because that won't cause such great harm if a few hours that you're going to leave it until the night. That you'll do already on on uh, on Yantif, not on Shabbos. And all these things you're not allowed to do on on Yantif, on Shabbos. I mean, all these things you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. Ain't the dechon Shabbos? Don't push up Shabbos. But hakavase, but carrying, carrying in the public. Avaase and bringing it mechuslet chum. Every Jew is quarantined on Shabbos. You're not allowed to. Bring in things, carry outside the If it has a wart, which makes the animal defective and it's not va- you can't bring it as a kosher of carbon pesos, so you're not allowed to cut it off. You can't, that doesn't push off Shabbos. So these things push off Shabbos, but these, the other things that don't push off Shabbos. Rablezer says, Rablezer says, no, even these things also push off, push off Shabbos. Everything pushes off Shabbos. Carrying, bringing it from outside the Tchum, cutting its wart, does override Shabbos. Even though you can do the, all these things from before Shabbos, but nevertheless you're allowed to do it to Shabbos. We already learned earlier. Abelazar holds that even the preparations for a milah you're allowed to any machshiri mitzvah, anything that prepares you to do the mitzvah, the milah to make to make the knife, you're allowed to do it on pushes off Shabbos. Not only the cutting itself, but even machshiri mitzvah, even any the preparation that you need in order to fulfill the mitzvah, that also pushes off Shabbos. So Rabbi Lezer says anything in preparation for the carbon Pesach, including the carrying and bringing it from the Chutzot Chum, everything, cutting off the wart, pushes off Shabbos. Oh, but Rabbi Lezer, Rabbi Lezer says, well, it's logical. It's logically compelling. My argument. If Shechita, which is a Malacha, which is biblically prohibited to do on Shabbos. Nevertheless, it pushes off Shabbos. 
These which are only because of Shavuos. It's only rabbinically prohibited. What is what is rabbinically prohibited? Which is rabbinically prohibited. These which are only rabbinically prohibited, surely you should be allowed to push off. Belezid himself holds that even biblical commandments, even though you could have done it before Shabbos, but the Torah, when the Torah says you're allowed to do work on Shabbos, for example, a bris or Pesach, anything, then it's in preparation for it. Abelazar says he'll even start, even allowed to start making a knife to cut the, to, to cut the bris. Even I could have done it before Shabbos, it doesn't matter. The Torah says when it comes to Shabbos, you're allowed to do this mitzvah, you're allowed to do everything. Everything. So to over here, you'll be even the biblical things to carry. You'll be allowed to do. But he's saying, according to the rabbis, who disagree with him, the rabbis say no. That the Torah only allows you to do the mitzvah itself, not the preparation for the mitzvah. But he's saying he's arguing with them. At least agree with me that those things that are only rabbinically prohibited. Although you could have done it before Shabbos, if the Torah allows you to desecrate Shabbos to, to slaughter, surely you should agree with me that it should. Have, let's say you didn't prepare it before Shabbos, so you, you're telling me you're going to be stuck. You're not going to be able to offer the Paschal lamb. Even you should agree that you should be allowed to override the rabbinic prohibition, even though I could have done it. it could have done it before Shabbos. Next time you open According to Rabbi Leza, whatever you need, whatever you need to, to make to make. Uh, to prepare, yeah, yeah, exactly. But but uh, but uh, he's saying according to the rabbis, at least the rabbinic prohibitions. Okay, we're going to see which which things he's referring to. Which things are rabbinic? Carrying is not rabbinic, but bringing from chutz that's rabbinic. Amalei Rabbi Shosh, Rabbi Shosh responded to Rabbi Lezer, no, Yom Tev I'll bring you a proof from Yom Tev that your argument is not compelling, it's not so. Sheitiru Be'im Shumulach, Yom Tev, you're allowed to work, you're allowed to cook, make a fire. Slaughter. Yeah, slaughter. Anything, anything associated with food, you're allowed to do on Yom Tev. But also Be'im Shum Shavuz. But you're not allowed to you're not allowed to violate a rabbinic prohibition. You don't say, well, if you can do you can do a biblical prohibition. Sure, no, the rabbis nevertheless enacted all the rabbinic prohibitions, even on Yantif. Mm-hmm. So too over here, even though biblically, even though you're allowed to override a biblical prohibition of slaughtering, but the rabbis insisted you're not allowed to override a rabbinic prohibition. Even if it means you're not going to bring the the paschal up. Amalei Rabelezer, Rabelezer responded to this argument. Maza Yeshua, what are you saying, Yeshua? Maraya Rishus LeMitzvah. There, the rabbis insisted in forcing their shavuos, even though you're allowed to override biblically the prohibitions of lighting a candle, of of, of, of cooking. Because there, but nevertheless, they insisted on keeping all the rabbinic prohibitions. Because there, it's only allowed. It's only allowed. But here, it's a mitzvah. It's an obligation. So if you're gonna if you're gonna insist on keeping the rabbinic prohibitions, because of that, he's gonna he's not gonna bring a carbon pesach. He has an obligation. Say so here, it should override 
the rabbinic prohibition. Hey, so Rabbi Akiva, Sir Akiva responded, Bama, he says, Azot, I'll bring you a proof from Azot, from sprinkling the red heifer, the ashes, a person who came, came in contact with the death, and in order to purify himself, he has to have the, the uh, has to be sprinkled red ashes. So, Lear, it's Mishra Mitzvah. That he's obligated to be, he has to purify himself in order to bring a, to bring the Paschal lamb. And what's the problem with sprinkling uh, sprinkling the red the, uh, the red heifer, the water and the ashes on a person? Well, what violation are you? You're not violating anything biblical. It's only rabbinic, because by sprinkling the ashes, you're the water and the ashes, the red heifer, you're fixing a person. It's like fixing a, a utensil. And the rabbis say you're not allowed to fix something on Shabbos. And because of that, the rabbis said that he can't bring a carbon Pesach, since we don't allow him to sprinkle the, uh, the water and the, and the ashes. So therefore, he's gonna, he won't be able to bring a carbon Pesach. So we see the rabbis insisted on enforcing their rabbinic provisions, even though it's going to cause you not to be able to fulfill a biblical, a biblical command. So two over here, the rabbis enforce you, the rabbinic prohibition, don't bring, if you quarantine, don't bring from with outside the trum, even though it means you're not going to be able to offer the Paschal Lamb. Tough luck. So we're talking about a case. If Ed of Pesach, the seventh day, a person who came in contact with that, you have to sprinkle the third day and the seventh day. And the seventh day is Shabbos out of Pesach. So if you're not going to sprinkle, you won't, you won't be able to do the Pesach. And nevertheless, we don't allow him to sprinkle. And tough luck, he won't be able to bring the carbon Pesach. So we see the rabbis insisted on enforcing their rabbinic prohibition, even though it's going to get in the way of a, of a biblical commandment, even though it's a mitzvah. So to be here, they enforce their rabbinic prohibition, even though it gets in the way of fulfilling the biblical commandment to bring a Paschal lamb. Amalei Rabbelezer, Rabbelezer responded back. Valani done. That's exactly what I'm arguing. I disagree with you on that. The same argument. If shchita, which is a, which is a biblical, and nevertheless the mitzvah of a carbon pesach overrides a biblical prohibition. Hazo sprinkling the red heifer, which is only rabbinic. Surely it overrides the mitzvah. Bring a carbon pesach overrides this this rabbinic prohibition. So I hold in this case, of course you sprinkle the same same logical, compelling logical argument. We continue in 60, uh, 66a. Amalei Rabbi Kiva says no. Oichilu, or maybe say the exact opposite. Maybe I'll say the opposite. Really, the rabbis insisted that you don't override the rabbinic prohibition of sprinkling the red heifer on a person, and therefore he doesn't get to bring a paschal lamb. So maybe say the same thing, that a person, that the slaughtering the animal shouldn't override Shabbos. Maybe no one should bring a carbon peso if it falls out on, 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 on the Shabbos. If a peso falls out on Shabbos. Akiva. How could you say that? A karta mashakasa b'teda. You can uproot what it says clearly in the Torah. It says b'mayaday. You should bring the carbon pesach in its right time, meaning beim bechayil, beim shabbos. No matter if it's a weekday or if it's shabbos, it must be on the right time. Amalei Rebbe. 
Amalei Rebbe, so Rebbe said, Havali Mayed Le'elu Kamayed, Kamayed, Kamayed Lishchit. He said, Rabbi Lezer, Rebbe, Havali Mayed Le'elu Kamayed Lishchit. So bring me an appointed time that's like equivalent to Shchit. Meaning, Klalom Rabbi Kiva. In other words, where do you learn out? Where do you learn out that you're, that uh, bringing the Pesach, the carbon Pesach, overrides Shabbos? Because it says, it has to be in the right time. So only the things that the Torah teaches me, which is what? Anything that you can do before Shabbos, for example, slaughtering. I can't slaughter the day before. The slaughtering has to be at the right time. So only those things push off Shabbos. Malachish Efshal says the matter of Shabbos and Dechus of Shabbos. Shchita she Efshal says the matter of Shabbos. Shchita which you can't, you can't slaughter the day before. So therefore, that's a set time. It's set in time. It must be this time. The Torah is telling me, whatever must be at that time. Shchita could only be at the right time. So then you do it on Shabbos. But all the other things, bringing it from outside of the Tchum, you could bring it on Friday. Yeah, you bring it the day before. Well, it doesn't Torah doesn't say it has to be at this time on Shabbos. You have to violate it. Only the shchita. Only the shchita, or whatever the burning the parts you have to burn. Right. Yeah. So that's the argument of Abelazar and Abakiva. Jesus asked, why does he bring Zrika? Zrika, Zrika, sprinkling the blood, he just says it together with the slaughter. Really, there's no problem with sprinkling the blood. What violation is there? No, not a biblical, not a rabbinic. I'm sprinkling the blood. Well, what the, I'm not violating Shabbos. Jesus asked, but why doesn't he say, why doesn't he include the skinning? Skinning is one of the 39 categories of work. Taking off the skin. Why doesn't he mention that? That these are the things that push off. That Pesach falls out on Shabbos. You push off Shchita and Hafshata, take removing the skin. So he answers because that part of when he says burning the parts, the fat and the kidneys and parts of the animal you have to burn on the altar. The only way to access it is by skinning, and then you can you can cut the meat, take out, take out whatever you need to take out. <coughs> Okay, that's the mission. Zog, they the rabbis learn halacha zun salmon. They said this halacha was forgotten by the sons of said pamachas once halar shabbos. Once happened to be that the fourteenth fell out on shabbos. Fourteenth of Nisan, the day before Pesach, fell out on shabbos. Now, what do you mean? Because usually they try to avoid it. For many many years, they try to avoid. They always made sure that Erev Pesach should not fall out on Shabbos, because they weren't certain. Does it push off Shabbos? Doesn't it push off Shabbos? Are you allowed to do the work? Are you not allowed to do the work? Or maybe, maybe you have to slaughter it in a way that's a little different. You can slaughter it in a way that you don't violate Shabbos. I don't know, the ways to do it in a different way. They, they, so they, they would avoid it altogether. One year they forgot. They forgot to be careful, they weren't careful. And and they made sure, and it turns out that the fourteenth of Nisan was on Shabbos. Right. So when did they avoid it? To what year? Until we see in a minute. We'll see in a minute. So Shachuv Yadu, they forgot. They didn't know in Pesach Doichus or Shabbos Imlav. Does Pesach push of Shabbos Imlav? 
Amru, they said, Klum yesh adam sheideim pes leifas shabbos. Anyone here who knows the rule, the law, even though the bnei b'seda, they were the leaders, but they didn't know. Amulehem, they said. Amulehem, they said to them, Adam echad yesh. There's one person shalom mibavil who came up from Babel, Babylon. Yevihil la bavlish mahilal the Babylonian. Sheshimish negdei laadersh mayav avtalian. He he served the two leaders of the generation. The head and the vice president and the vice president of the Jewish Supreme Court, Shmaya Naftalian. And he knows the answer. Does Pesach push of Shabbos or not? Shalchu, they send, they called him, Do you know him? Does Pesach push of Shabbos or not? So Hillel responded, There's only one pace of the pushers of Shabbos. There's more than 200 pace of the push of Shabbos. Why? Because you have over you have 52 weeks in the year. Every Shabbos you bring four sacrifices. Two of the daily sacrifices and two of the musaf. So every Shabbos times four. Every Shabbos times four, over 200. And when, let alone Shabbos that falls out uh, on let alone Shabbos that, that falls out on Yom Tif. So you're bringing so many more karbanas. So some, if you add it all together, it could be, it could be, it could be you know, over 300 karbanas you bring on Shabbos. How are you allowed to slaughter an animal on Shabbos? So the answer is how? Amalei minayalach. He's adding, you know this. Amalem, it says, Nemer Pesach. So he's saying, just like Shabbos pushes off, so therefore Pesach surely pushes off the obligation to bring a carbon Pesach pushes off, even though that's a public sacrifice. Pesach, every individual has to bring. So it's one thing if the community brings. Maybe the community, the Torah allows the community to bring even a Shabbos. But to tell me that we had a million, two hundred thousand animals, every Jew is going to be slaughtering and, and, and violating Shabbos. Who, how do you know that it pushes off Shabbos? He answered, Nemer, it says, It says, The daily sacrifice. Just like Moedah that says, By the daily sacrifice, It pushes off Shabbos. That states by Pesach, Doiches Shabbos pushes off Shabbos. That's number one. One argument. In addition, it's logically compelling. Which, if you don't bring the carbon tamid, you don't lose your life. It pushes off Shabbos. Pesach, the positive commandment to bring the carbon Pesach. If you don't, if you don't bring carbon Pesach, your penalty is you lose your life. Surely, it should push override Shabbos. They had immediately a shivu They put him in the in the head and we knew nasi aleihem, and they appointed him as the nasi. There were two, up until that point, there was two different positions. There was the head of the Jewish Supreme Court and the vice president of the Jewish Supreme Court. That was the learning, the title, like 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 the Rashi Shiva. Then he had the nasi, the president. He was the president of the community. He wasn't necessarily the greatest scholar. Starting with Hillel. He was not only the head of the Jewish Supreme Court, but he was also the Nazi. He became the head of the Jewish people. He was also from, from the uh, family. He was also descendant of King David. So he was from the royal family of King David. So he had both qualities together. Like King David himself was a king and he was the head of the Jewish Supreme was Court. He was the head of the Jewish Supreme Court. No, the Exilarch was in Babylonia. This was in Israel. He was the Nazi. Oh, yeah, in Israel. And like a Nazi, he, started, he was teaching the whole day. He spoke a whole day. Pesach. There was a Pesach. So he started 
he started like mekantaron uh, bidvarim. He started to harass them because he was he he was like a good teacher. He was upset at them. Listen, he says it's one thing if you don't know if you didn't know the kavu the gzeder shava. He made a juxtaposition. He's a gzeder shava. Here it says by Shabbos by the Talmud. And teaching me that even on Shabbos you have to bring a carbon tablet, and it says it says by Pesach, so you learn one from the other. So that I'm not going to harass you for not knowing it, because that you can't make these things up on yourself. These things you can only learn from your teacher. But the logical argument: the teacher gets upset when the student is not using his head. Like the father once slapped his son. He said, "Listen, the fact you can't answer a question, I'm not going to." But you, you don't even ask the question. It means you're not thinking. What, you, why didn't you even think of this? It's logical. So he started harassing them. You guys are not learning. You're not thinking. What's going on here? So to make them a little edgy, to make them a little uncomfortable, to make them to open them up, a good teacher teaches his students to think, not just gives them information on a silver platter. So the kind Hillel started harassing them. <laughs> Accused of laziness, not yes. really following the leaders that have to come exactly. from Babylonia. Uh, exactly. You should have known it all along from your uh, leaders that were there at the time. What caused you that I should have to come up from Babylonia and become your your head? Your laziness. You didn't serve the two leaders. And that's why you don't know. You didn't know this halacha. Laziness. You didn't learn. It was your laziness. There's nothing holding you back except yourself. We met the enemy and it's us. They said to him, Rebbe. So they asked him, Rebbe, what if Shachach, a person forgot, he didn't bring a knife to slaughter the sacrifice, Merv Shabbos. Mao, what's the halach? He said to them, I heard this, but I forgot. This was like a punishment for him harassing. <laughs> we'll learn later on. Let the Jewish people, let them, leave them alone. They themselves are not prophets, but sons of prophets. See what they do. They'll know what to do. They'll figure it out. The next day, whoever is Pesach was a sheep, a sheep has a lot of hair, a lot of wool. So they, they would stick the knife in, in, the, in the wool. So, so even though you're not allowed to cause your animal to carry, your animal can't work, the animal has to rest, your animal can't work on Shabbos, How, so your animal is carrying in the public. How could your animal carry? By putting the knife and he's carrying the knife. Because since you're not carrying in the regular way, firstly, sheep are not meant to carry. Sheep and goats are not used to carry. Donkeys are used to carry. Uh, oxen are used to carry. Camels, sheep and goats are not used to carry. This is on Shabbos. Yeah, so since it's not used to it's not the normal way of doing it, so therefore, therefore, there's no biblical prohibition. I'm not violating the biblical prohibition. And since it's totally, even though it's rabbinically prohibited, but since it's totally unusual, so they allowed it in order to, to make sure you can, you can fulfill the mitzvah of a carbon pesa. 
So everyone had to bring their own knife. He had a million two hundred thousand sacrifices. It wasn't a million two hundred thousand knives, and it wasn't time to go one knife to go around. Everyone had to bring their own knife. otherwise he wouldn't be able to bring his carbon pesach. So they would they would they would bring in the tzamre a gidi. And whoever was bringing a goat which doesn't have wool, doesn't have so much hair and wool, I mean, just has hair but not wool, so would stick it between his horns, he has horns. And they would bring the knife to the base of Migdash. Rabbi when he saw this, he remembered Allah, and he said, This is exactly what I received, this is what I heard from my this is exactly what you do. And Taisu says, yeah, that the, the knife, they, they would sanctify it, because you have to slaughter with a knife that belongs to the temple. So they would sanctify the knife and give it over to the temple. Taisu says, he doesn't understand this whole issue. We're talking about Yerushalayim. All the Jews are in Yerushalayim already, right? We're talking about bringing it from Yerushalayim to the base of Migdash and the Temple Mount. But Yerushalayim was a closed city. It wasn't a public domain. The doors were closed at night. Or could have been closed at night. So it's a clo- it's a walled in city. It's a private domain. There's no biblical prohibition. What's this whole discussion here? Carrying, we're not allowed to carry. Well, why not? It's not a public street. It's a walled in city. It's a private domain. It's the best aid of in the world. You have a you have a wall. Okay, you make a native, you don't make a native, that's only rabbinic, but there's no biblical prohibition. The Tesla says the time that Hillel was there, they already breached Yerushalayim. The walls were breached open. There was breaches all over. So really, it was breached, so it was no longer considered a walled city. Yeah, maybe it was 51% breached, so it was no longer considered a, a private a private domain. Yeah, it was the time of the Romans. This was towards the end of the Beis Amigdus, the second Beis Amigdus. Now the Gemara quotes. He said, He said, You learn out Pesach from Tammid, the daily sacrifice. No, it's like the Moya, it says by daily sacrifice, pushes off Shabbos, made the Pesach, the Shabbos. Question is, with Tammid go from you know, how do you know that Tammid, how do you know that uh, the daily sacrifice pushes off Shabbos? If you're because it says meaning on the, on the time, it has to be done at the right time. If that's the case, why do we have to learn Pesach from Shabbos? Pesach The Pesach also says the exact same language. <laughs> the same way you know Shabbos, the same way you know Pesach. If you're teaching me that B'mayde means it has to be on time, no matter what, even on Shabbos, so why do we have to learn Pesach from Shabbos? Pesach, it says the exact same thing. No, but you're going to tell me, because B'mayde doesn't mean necessarily that it pushes off Shabbos. So by Shabbos also, by, uh, so by Tamid also, the daily sacrifice, yeah. how do I know that it pushes off Shabbos if Moida doesn't mean that? The answer is, because the Pasuk says, it says, it's talking about the Musaf of Shabbos, it says, you should bring the carbon Musaf on Shabbos on top of the Eilas HaTamid. So clearly the title is saying that on Shabbos you bring the daily Sacrifice both the morning and the afternoon. And then you learn Shabbos from from uh, a, a Pesach from 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 Tommy, the daily sacrifice. Pesach says that elsewhere in the Gemara, the Gemara does hold. There is an opinion that does hold. Bemoyda is enough. I don't need. I don't need this Gezeda Shava. Just the fact that it says Bemoyda is enough to teach me that. 
that um, that uh, that memoida means in the right time. It has to be done in the right time. Okay. Then the master said, In addition to the Gzeda Shava, you're saying it's logically compelling. Which, if you don't bring a karma tamid, the penalty is not, your life gets cut off, and it pushes off Shabbos. Pesach, Rana's karma is so strict, so severe, that if you don't bring the karma Pesach, your penalty is you lose your life. How much more so it should override Shabbos? The question is, we can, we can refute this, this argument. It's not such a, it's not just a, a logically compelling argument. How could we refute it? Tadid has an advantage. Yes, the penalty if you don't bring the Tadid is not you lose your life, but Tadid is every day. The fact that it's every day and it's all oil, oil means it's totally burnt. It's a, it's, it's, it's a burnt offering. It's a burnt offering. How could you compare that to Pesach, which is once a year? And yeah, we, we, we get to eat it. The whole point of the Pesach, you get to eat it. First, Hillel said the Kavachayim. First, he brought a logical, compelling argument. And they refuted the argument. Then he, then he taught them the Gzayda Shava. And that was final. Once you have Gzayda Shava, that's what he heard from Shmaya Vavtalion. That, that was final. So why do we need a Kavachayim? Once I have a Gzayda Shava. So why did, in other words, Hillel knew there was a Gzayda Shavu. Why didn't he start with the Gzayda Shavu? Why did he start with the Kavachaymer? Then they, they refuted it. And then he said, okay, let me give you the Gzayda Shavu. Just tell him the Gzayda Shavu. So he answers, he's, he's speaking to them, and that's the reason why he harassed them. Okay, he didn't know the Gzayda Shavu. I can understand. They know them don't Gzayda Shavu batsman. A person does not make your own Zayda Shavu. Unless you heard it from your Rebbe, you can't just start making up, making up stuff. <laughs> Zayda Shavu is a code, right? This word, that word is coming to teach me. You can't just start making up things. Even Gematri, even things, the miracle value, you can't just start making things, you know, off your head. It has to be correct. It has to be, it has to be connected for real. Okay, so dear, I don't have any arguments with you why you don't know of this Zayda Shavu. A person could, could make any logical, compelling argument on your own. That's why you arrest them. You guys are lazy. What's going on here? Why didn't you figure this out on your own? You showed them you gotta keep. Yeah, I'm lazy. So they said, No, we're not so lazy. We don't agree with this. It's not so logically compelling. And then he says, Okay, you're right. And then it's only the Gzeda Shava. The Gzeda Shava. But then he said, "You're lazy because you should have, you should have served Shmaya Vatali. You would have served Shmaya Vatali properly. You would have heard of the Gzeda Shava. You would have learned of the Gzeda Shava. You would have known what what's right and wrong." Okay. Oh my my! The master says, the next day, Misha Misha whoever brought a sheep, stuck the knife." In the wool, Gidi, whoever brought a, a goat for the Paschal, uh, Paschal carbon, Teichel Ben Karno, would stick it, the goat doesn't have a wool, would bring it between the horns. No, to the base of Mikdash. To bring the knife to the base of Mikdash, to slaughter. We continue on side B. In fact, the Yamada, the Kabbadah, the Bakachim, 
you're working with kachim. It's a holy sacrifice. So how are you allowed to? You're not allowed to use holy sacrifice for anything else, other other than sacrifice. It belongs now to the temple. So what right did they have to use the animal to carry a knife? And they followed Hillel. The Tanu and the Brayza. Amr Laval Hillel. He said on Hillel, "Miyam of Limaladim beLasay." No one ever was Moyel. Moyel, if you use anything that belongs to the temple, even to the temple treasury, you use it for your own personal usage. You are Moyel. So he says, no one was ever Moyel on Hillel's animal. Why sacrifice? Why? Because because he would make he wouldn't sanctify it until he brought it to the temple, until he got there. So all the way on the way to the temple, it was chulin, and he brought chulin lazada. He brought non-sacred animal into the azada, and then umagdisha. While it was in the courtyard, then so Teisvis brings the Yishalmi gives a different answer. Yishalmi says Moyel Meil is only if you're using it for your own personal purpose. Anything that you're using for the animal, for the sake of the animal, then like in our case, you're bringing the knife in order to have a knife to slaughter the carbon pesa. That's not called moil. I'm not using it for my own, uh, my own, my own person. Just like we say by the Paraduma that that you're not allowed to work the paraduma. you're not allowed to do any work with it. If you do any work with it, it disqualifies it. You can have a paraduma that's perfect. It's so rare. It doesn't even have a single black ear. It's all red. But the moment you work it, it's all over. So, but the Gemara makes it, the Taita makes a distinction. It depends what's called work. Anything I do for the sake of the animal, let's say I cover the animal to protect it from flies, so it's working, it's carrying, but it's for its own sake, its own benefit. Anything for its own benefit is not considered work. Anything that's for your benefit is considered work. So the Rishalmi, the Rishalmi makes the same distinction, the same is true with Mi'ila. When is it considered that, that you're using the animal for your own for, uh, Mi'ila, that you're, it's treachery, you're using something that belongs to Hashem, for your own, it's only for using it for your own personal use. But if you're using it for the sake of the sacrifice, like in our case, they're carrying the knife in order to use the knife to slaughter it for Hashem, then it's not considered meal. Then, the, then Titus points out another thing. Hillel would bring chulin lazar. Question is, we say you're not allowed to bring chulin lazar. You can't, you can't just bring something that's not holy into the temple. Only something that's holy and sacred is allowed into the temple. How could Hillel bring chulin into the temple? Titus says clearly no. Of course you can bring chulin into the temple. The proof is, it says that the koyanim, koyanim had to eat the leftovers of the sin offering, the guilt offering, and that's what achieved in the atonement. The owners were, were atoned only when the koyan would eat. We learned this earlier. And it says the koyan has to eat, whatever they eat, they have to eat like royally. They have to eat in a very honorable way. Meaning, they have to eat the end of the meal. When they're, when they're full and satiated, not to eat like when they're hungry. So they had to eat other food, which would still their hunger. And then, like, 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 eat it luxuriously. Like someone who's royal, you eat luxuriously. You're not just starving, so I'm eating. Like dessert? Yeah, like dessert. Like the Afrikaimen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they would eat other foods, which was not sacred. And then they would finish the meal. Or, or like a, uh, you know, uh, appetizer. And then you eat the first meal. And, uh, I mean, the first dish. And, uh, and then you have the second dish. And the third dish, the main dish, was the kachim. But they would eat other foods before that. So other foods were allowed into the temple. It wasn't sacred foods. There's no problem 
with bringing chulin into the azor. The only thing the Gemara says elsewhere is that you can't do anything you do with the kachim, you can't do that to something that's not kodesh. Anything that's not sacred, I can't do. Like, for example, lifting it up or, or doing any service. I can't do any service in the temple with anything that's non-sacred. But just bringing it there, just being there for the kohen to eat it, that's not a problem. So Hillel says, he used to bring in the chulin, and then he would make it sacred while it was in the temple, and then immediately he would put his hands on, and they'd slaughter it right away. So he never had the opportunity for misusing or abusing a sacred animal. Okay. Then the Gemara asks, We're talking about Shabbos here. Your answer, the Gemara's answer here, the Babylonian answer, not like the Jerusalem answer. How are they allowed to use the animal to carry the knife for slaughtering? Because it because wasn't sacred. And they only made it sacred once it entered into the temple, into the courtyard. The Gemara says, How are you allowed to make something sacred on Shabbos? We learn clearly in the Mishnah. We learned in the Mishnah of Yamtif and Beyev at Nan, Ein Magdishim, Ein Marichim, Machrivin, Ein Magbim, Trumaisis. You're not allowed to sanctify an animal or sanctify anything on Shabbos. You're not allowed to be Marichit, right, to evaluate it or to excommunicate it and give it to the Koyanim. You can't separate Truma, Maishas, Even on Yantif, the rabbis say you're not allowed to do any of this. Surely you're not allowed to do it on Shabbos. So, how are you allowed to sacrifice, sanctify the animal on Shabbos? So, you must say the animal was sanctified before Shabbos on Friday. So, the question remains how are they allowed to use a holy animal to carry their knife? Hmm. So the Gemara answers, When did the rabbi say you're not allowed to sanctify sanctify any animal that there's no set time? But the, but the, the obligations which has a set time, if the Torah allows you to, sancti- to, to slaughter it, surely the rabbi's allowed you to sanctify it, even on Shabbos, that very same Shabbos. A person could sanctify his Pesach on Shabbos. He can't say Pesach on Yomtev, because Pesach can never, can never be on Yomtev. Pesach is always the day before Yomtev. Pesach has to be the afternoon before the Yomtev, but it could fall out on Shabbos. But Chagiga can be on Shabbos. Not allowed to bring a Chagiga on Shabbos, but on Yomtev, yes. But we have another problem with Your animal is carrying, is working. You're not allowed to cause the animal to work. But because it, it's in a backhanded way, it's not the normal way. You don't use a sheep or a goat to carry things. And even that, in, in the wool, you put a knife in the wool between the horns. <laughs> no one does that. It's not a normal way. Yes, biblically, there's no problem. But at least rabbinically, it should be a problem. That's what they asked him. That was the question that they posed to Hillel. Since biblically there is no problem, but rabbinically there is a problem that the rabbis insist on, an, on enforcing their rabbinic prohibition and sort of override the obligation to bring a current pesach or not. 
extraordinary not the normal way of carrying period so therefore the rabbis did not enforce their rabbinic prohibition and the mitzvah to bring carbon pesach overrides it very important whoever is arrogant he's wise he'll lose his wisdom he's a prophet he'll lose his prophecy how do we know this our case because the master said when we started harassing them and then they asked him and he forgot his wisdom was taken away from him because he was arrogant not because he was harassing them and so therefore that was his punishment that even that though his intent Hillel's punishment that's why he forgot his wisdom even though Hillel was doing it for a reason but nevertheless if he's a prophet, he loses prophecy. Where do we learn this from? Midvaira, from the Vaira. The Sivit says, the Vaira Navia, the Vaira the prophetess. He says, Khidlu Pirzim Bisrael. She said that Khidlu it stopped to dwell in open cities. Prazim Bisrael. Khidlu it they stopped. Ajashakamti Devaira. Till I stood up, the Vaira. Till a mother arose, the Vaira. So she's hoardily praising herself, singing her own praises. Even it says, Uri Uri Devaira, wake up Devaira. Uri Uri Dabishir, because her prophecy left her. So they had to pray, wake up Devaira, wake up her prophecy, because she spoke so uh, hoardily. I, Devaira, praising herself. Huh. Hashem doesn't like that. Says, a person who gets angry loses his temper if he's wise many loses his wisdom if he's a prophet many loses his prophecy where do we know this from it says when Moshe sent the soldiers to take revenge on Midian and the soldiers came back, and Moshe got angry, lost his temper, because they brought back all the, uh, they brought the spoils from all the women. They brought all the spoils, all their uh, disgusting jewelry that they, in the, with the, which they used for the, in the private places. So Moshe got angry. Spoke up, and he told them the laws of the Torah, which has to be purged. Which how do you have to kosher it? He told them what Hashem told Moshe. Because he lost his temper, he forgot the halacha. If he's a prophet, he loses his nevius. Where do we learn this from? Elisha. From Elisha, the Chesivit says, "Luli pnei yeshafet melech Yehuda." Elisha got angry at Yehoram. Yehoram was the Jewish king, the king of the ten tribes. Yehoshaphat was the king of Judah and Benjamin, and Yehoshaphat joined forces with Yehoram. And Yehoshaphat said, "Let's go ask the Navi if we're going to win the war or not." And Yehoram was a Russia, and Elisha got angry. He says, "I wouldn't even look at you, but because you have Yehoshaphat the tzaddik." With you, I'm going to answer you. So because he got angry, he says, 
bring me a musician. When he started singing the prophecy descended on him. Why did he need a, a, a nigan to wake him up, a song to wake him up? Because he lost his prophecy, because he got angry. Whoever gets angry, I feel the place of Gedulim and Hashemayim. It's unbelievable. Even though in the heaven it was decreed that he's going to be greatness. Meditin now you say they take it away from him. You know, and how do we know this? Meliyav, David Amelech's brother, older brother. And Emirat says, Meliyav got angry at David. Yishai, the father, sent David when when Shaul was fighting against Goliath. So the army and the, David's older brothers were part of the army. So Elisha, Yishai, the father, sent David, the youngest, the shepherd, go to your brothers and bring them some food. So Eliyahu got angry at David. Why did you come to us? Who did you leave all our sheep with? You're supposed to take care of the sheep. What are you doing here? I know your evil heart. You came here because you're curious. You want to see what's going on, the war. <laughs> And, and so therefore where do we see the consequences when Shmuel when Hashem told him go to the Yishai and, and anoint one of his sons as king after Hashem says I despise Shaul I lost my interest in King Shaul now I want you to go and anoint one of Yishai's sons didn't tell him which son so when, also, when Shmuel went all of them says all the other sons all the other brothers it says Hashem never chose him when it came to Aliyah, it says, Don't look at his look, because Shmuel was certain that he is the one, because he had the look, he was handsome, he was tall. Hashem says, I despise him. So Miklal, we see David Hashem used to love him, and now he despises Even though this happened before the war with Goliath, that happened later. So, how is this a consequence? Because he lost his temper and David, that's why Hashem despised him. Hashem despised him before this ever happened. But it shows us what kind of temper he had. It shows us what kind of characteristic defect he had. If he got angry then, he surely got angry earlier also. So because he got angry, that's why he lost all the others. Hashem never even considered them to become king of Israel. But because, but Aliyah, Hashem did want him to become king. And he had all the qualities to become king. But because of this one defect, because he had this characteristic defect, he had a temper problem, he lost it. Hashem says, I despise him. And King David, can you imagine? It wouldn't have been King David. It would have been King Aliyah, Mashiach ben Aliyah. That he lost it only because of this one defective aspect in his character, defect in his character, that he lost his temper. That's how, how careful a person has to be. Hang on, one second. Yes. In defense of Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay, we find daily sacrifice, the morning, afternoon daily sacrifice, and the Pesach sacrifice, it pushes off Shabbos. So we find that, because he said that in addition to the carbon Musaf, you have to bring a carbon Pesach, and we learn Pesach, uh, you have to bring the Tamid. And we learn Pesach from the daily sacrifice. But the Dachatumah we know, and where do we know that it pushes off impurity? That you have to bring it even in a state of impurity. Amri, they said, Just like you learn Pesach from Tamid. 
Just like Beit Tam, it pushes off Shabbos, also carbon Pesach, and Namiyalif Tabin Mi Pesach. So reverse is also true. We learn one from the other. So we learn Tamid from Pesach Liyantum. How do we know that Pesach pushes off impurity? That even though in a state of impurity you have to bring the carbon Pesach and even eat the carbon Pesach in a state of impurity. It says, If one individual will be Tamil and Nefesh, so we learn out from there, a person is pushed off to the pace of Shani, to the second pace. If one person, if an individual is impure, then it's, he, he's pushed off to the second pace. But not the congregation, the whole congregation, the majority of the Jewish people are impure, you don't push it off the second pace. They bring the carbon in the state of impurity. How do we know this? Amos say, interpret the verse as follows. An individual gets a second chance. Sibur, a congregation. There's nothing you can do. You, you don't have the chance to bring the first, not the first carbon Pesach, and not the second Pesach. You only bring a second Pesach if there was a first Pesach. Mm-hmm. But if the majority of the congregation is impure, they don't bring the first and they don't bring the second. Wow. So where do we know this from? So the Shlakish brings a different uh, limit. We'll learn that tomorrow. We'll stop right here. Everyone have a wonderful day.